0: 2 Timothy, chapter number 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, it's a message that I preached in Paraguay last week, one that I've actually, a uh, lesson I've um, done several different times, don't believe I've done it with this group, if you've heard it before, just act like you haven't, you've probably seen the illustration that we'll use, but want to focus on this passage this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 19- through 22, and trust the Lord will help us from His Word. 2nd, two, beginning of verse number 19, the Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand in the shore, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that name in the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and verse, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. Sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Then the call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I want to focus on verse nineteen and then verse twenty-two. Put those two verses together. Let's take verse nineteen and and look at it phrase by phrase. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Foundation of God happens to be a person according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11 other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the foundation of God and that is a sure foundation men will fail you Christ won't people will make promises and they will break those promises Jesus Christ makes promises and he keeps his promises Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And if you want to build your life on a rock so that your house will stand when the storms come, then you had best build your life upon the person and the words of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16. It's a great prophecy about Jesus Christ being a tried stone, a precious a precious stone, the, the chief cornerstone. The Bible says that he is a sure foundation. So the foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. And this is a great phrase. The Lord knoweth them that are his. We could take the whole time this morning and just focus on that thought. The Lord knoweth them that are his. We have a Bible that was given to us for the purpose that we might know we have eternal life. Isn't that a blessing? Not to be in the dark, not to question, not to doubt, not to worry, not to, not to, not to only hope that you're going to heaven, but to know that you're going to heaven. How many of you know you're going to heaven this morning? Raise your hand. I'm glad I know that I'm saved. I can know that because the Bible plainly, clearly, definitively takes states what it takes to be saved. But not only do I know that I'm saved, and that's a blessing, but what's even better is that the Lord knows that I'm saved. It's good to know you're saved, and I, I hope you know you're saved. But whether or not you know that you're saved, if you're saved, the Lord knows you're saved. There have been times when I've doubted my salvation. of you? There have been times when, due to some failure in my life, I've been less than certain that I had eternal life. But whether I live like a Christian or not, whether I feel like a Christian or not, whether I know that I'm saved or not at the moment, the Lord knoweth them that are his. He's going to say to some on the day of judgment, depart from me, ye curse and everlasting fire, prayer for the devil and his angels. He's going to say, I never knew you. But if you're his, he knows. Your name's recorded in the book of life. And that's a cause for rejoicing. So it's great to know you're saved. and It's great to know the Lord, but it's better for the Lord to know you than for you to know the Lord. And if you know him, he knows you. And if he knows you, it's not just that he has your soul secure, but there's a deeper meaning than that. The Lord knoweth them that are His. He's aware of everything in your life this morning. He knows the circumstances that you face, He knows the desires of your heart. He's aware of the thoughts that you have, and He, he sees and He hears. The Bible says He hears the desire of the humble. Sometimes our prayers are not even spoken, and yet God hears. He knows. If you're seeking his will for your life, he knows that if if you're if you're if if, if you desire his directions that you can follow him. He knows that if, if you're if you're concerned, if you're afraid, if you're scared, if you're troubled, he knows that. The Lord knoweth them that are his. He knows everything about you and he loves you anyway. It's a blessing. Lord knoweth them that are his and so so that's that, that's the great positive wonderful exciting amen part of the verse we can know we're saved god knows if we're saved if god knows us he he knows us intricately and he loves us but the the passage goes on to say and let everyone that name the name of christ depart from iniquities here's here's the setup question do you call yourself a, a christian Calling yourself a Christian means that you are naming the name of Jesus Christ. You are claiming that I belong to him. I identify with him. So my next question is this. What is the name of Christ? And that's not a trick question. I'm certain everybody knows the answer. What was the name? What is the name of Christ? Go ahead and answer it out loud. Oh, with a little more confidence. Jesus. The guys too. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jacob. All right. The name of Christ is Jesus. We're not going to turn there, but you remember in Matthew chapter one, when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream, said, hey, I look, look, Mary, your, your fiance, the one to whom you are espoused, she's with child, but it's by the Holy Ghost. She's going to give birth to the son of God, an angel gave very clear instruction. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. But why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means Jehovah saves, but from what does Jehovah save? To save means to deliver. To save means to rescue. What was the deliverance from? What are we being rescued from? Jesus came to save his people from their sins. I don't know why you got saved. I I know why I got saved and I suspect it's the same reason you got saved. I was going to hell and I didn't want to go to hell. And Jesus Christ was my escape from hell. Jesus Christ was the one who delivered me from hell. And because I got saved, I'm not going to hell. And I'm glad about that. I don't want to go to hell. Because I got saved, I'm going to heaven. and I'm thankful for that. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm excited about it. Now, I'm I'm, I'm going to try to go ahead and live in the meantime. I think that's God's will. But at the end of my life, I am glad that heaven is my final destination. That's why I got saved. That's not why God saved me. The reason you got saved and the reason God saved you are often very different. God had a deeper purpose in mind. God had had a fuller intention than just you not going to hell. The Bible says that the salvation that God gave us is not just from hell, from the eventual outcome of our sin. He came to save us from sin itself it's not improper to get saved because you don't want to go to hell but you ought to grow deeper in your understanding of what salvation is salvation is about more than what happens when you die when you got saved you were delivered from the eternal penalty of sin you're not going to hell When you get to heaven, you'll be delivered from the very presence of sin. You'll never have to worry about it or think about it again. There'll never be temptation. You'll never fail the Lord. You'll never displease the Lord. You'll have a glorified body like that of Jesus Christ. I was saved from the penalty of sin. I will be saved from the presence of sin. But in the meantime, right now, in my day-to-day life, that salvation is intended to deliver me and deliver you from the very power of sin. So we no longer live in bondage to sin. We no longer live in bondage to the elements of the world. But we live as unto Jesus Christ and our salvation produces fruit that glorifies him. Let everyone the name of the name of Christ depart from iniquity because the name of Christ is a name that says he came to save people from their sin. Does that make sense so far? Let's run a couple references quickly. We've got to go fast. Come to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, and then Titus chapter 2, and then we'll go back to 2 Timothy 2. Galatians 1, which is just after First and Second Corinthians, just before Ephesians. Galatians 1 and verse number 4, Galatians 1, 4. The Bible says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us, there, there's salvation. Salvation means delivered. Saved means delivered. That he might deliver us from, we might expect to read, from hell, from fire, from everlasting judgment. That's not what it says. Why did Jesus die for us? Why did Jesus come and give his life? That he might deliver us from this present evil world. That was his purpose, that was his goal. That's what he came to do. Not just save us from hell, but to make us different, to set us apart, to deliver us from this present evil world. Salvation is not just about what happens when I die. It's about how I live in the meantime. Look at uh, Titus chapter number two. Titus two is just after second Timothy. Titus chapter two. In verse number 14, same statement. Titus chapter two, verse number 14, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. What does 2 Timothy 2.19 said? The name of Christ, depart from iniquity. That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify in himself, peculiar people, zealous of good works. Okay? Why did he give himself, Galatians 1.4, delivers from this present evil world. Why did he give himself, Titus 2.14, that he might redeem us from from iniquity not just the not just the punishment for iniquity but deliver us from iniquity back to second Timothy chapter 2 in verse 19 the first half of the verse points to our eternal security the fact that once we're saved we're always saved and there's nothing that can change it and it is a blessing that our salvation does not depend on anything we did before we're saved does depend on anything we do after we're saved our salvation is secure is secure we have a A gift called eternal life. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Okay? Nothing can change. That's a blessing. Every time the Bible in the New Testament teaches salvation by grace, through faith, without works, and salvation lasts forever, it always, always in the context follows up with some admonition about the life we live So so that we do not come to the misunderstanding that the life we live now doesn't matter. The life we live has no effect on whether or not we make it to heaven, but it does matter. And it says this in 2 Timothy two nineteen: Let everyone that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So, I want to set up this illustration. Okay, over here we have, if you can see it, put it on top of the me. Over here we have iniquity, and then Second Timothy two twenty two says, "Flee also youthful lusts, but follow after." Righteousness. So we have iniquity, and we have righteousness. So we're supposed to part iniquity, and we're supposed to follow righteousness. And right here between, what I want to show you this morning, are four different types of saved people. Are you saved this morning? I trust you're saved. I, I trust that the Lord knows you because you're His. But if you're saved, there's a life that God wants you to live from now until you get to heaven, and there's four different possibilities in your life, and your decisions are going to fall into one of these four groups. And as we as we illustrate them for you, I want you to ask yourself, which of these am I? The first type of saved person, the saved person that understands salvation is by grace through faith. Salvation is forever. I'm eternal secure. I'm not going to hell. I am going to heaven. And because I'm saved by grace, and because my sins are under the blood, they take the attitude that. My life has no effect on my salvation, so my life doesn't matter. So I'm going to heaven regardless of how I live, so I'm just gonna live however I want. I I can I can sow to the flesh and not pay for it in eternity, and so I'm gonna use salvation as an excuse instead of departing from iniquity. I'm gonna pursue iniquity. This is the creep who comes to the church in Jude chapter one and turns the grace of God. In lasciviousness. That means they make salvation an excuse for their sinful lifestyle. They see that where sin abounded, grace did much more about us. They say, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? If God's grace is so great that it covers all my sin, then I'll just sin some more and grace will cover it. There are lost people that have that idea. You witness to them and they say, well, if what you're telling me is true, then I can just, you know, I can just pray a prayer that I can go out and murder somebody. That's not what we're saying. That's not a, a proper understanding of the grace of God. There are saved people have the same idea and their lives demonstrate that. This is what the Bible calls the libertine. They take the liberty that we have in Christ. The freedom that we have in Christ. The salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And they say if I'm going to heaven regardless of how I live, then I'm going to live the way I want to live. And the way I want to live is not not departing from iniquity, but in pursuit of iniquity. I don't want to get away from iniquity. I want to cozy up to it. I want to live in sin. I want to sow to the flesh. I want to enjoy its pleasures for a season. And there are saved people who live like lost people. It's called the carnal man. It's enmity with God. But yet, they find an excuse for a carnal lifestyle in the fact that they're saved by the grace of God. And they are saved by the grace of God. And they will go to heaven. And Lot is their example. 2 Peter 2 says, Lot was a righteous man and a just man whose, whose righteous soul was vexed. With a filthy conversation, the wicked. If this is your mindset, if this is your lifestyle, if this is the way that your decisions are tending, then lot is your role model. That are you looking up to? That are you want your life to end up like? All right. So the passage says, depart from iniquity. But there are some say people doing exactly the opposite. They're they're pursuing iniquity. They're living in sin and using salvation as an excuse to do it. That, that's the liberty. The Bible says, Galatians 5.13, Use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, serve one another. The second type of saved person this morning, and I don't have enough space to really illustrate this well. You'll have to imagine that I'm going that direction, okay? The second type of saved person this morning is someone who is departing iniquity but it's possible to depart iniquity without following righteousness. The passage says I need to do both. Okay, It's like Romans chapter 12. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One is incomplete without the other. And in 2 Timothy 2, it's important to depart iniquity, but departing iniquity is, is not complete unless I am following righteousness. If my only move is it is from iniquity, and I'm not at the same time moving towards righteousness. That's not what that is is talking about. All right? So somebody could depart iniquity, and if I come here, I'm farther from iniquity than I was there. Remember your, 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 your geometry class. Your geometry <coughs> class we'll find out. All right? So that straight line... And this crooked line, this crooked line is longer. A little bit Now, I can, I can keep moving that direction. I don't want to get that close to Jelly. I'm already kind of this. <laughs> so if I'm moving this direction, am I not the of iniquity? I am. But if I'm moving this direction, am I getting any closer to righteousness? I'm not. So somebody who's departing iniquity, but not getting any closer to righteousness might be saved, but you know, we call become a Pharisee call them a legalist. Because yes, there's some separation about their lives. Yes, there's some, 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 some visible sanctification. They've got the exterior all taken care of, but everything about their Christianity is outward. Everything about their Christianity is for the purpose of impressing other people with how spiritual they are. Everything about their separation is so that Others will find them to be impressive. There, there are saved people who don't live like lost people. They don't do the things lost people do. They don't wear the things lost people wear. They don't go to places lost people don't and just ask them out, them. They'll be happy to brag on themselves and they're proud of how spiritual they are. Now look, I'm not saying the outside's not important. The outside is important. We, we, we've got to be in compliance with how God says we ought to live our lives. Our lifestyle ought to match the Scripture. But if the only thing about your life that's Christian is the outside, you're a part iniquity and not following righteousness. And, 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 and this passage, demands movement. In this direction. Does that make sense? Now, I don't think we're really struggling with that here this morning, but, but we do need to understand it and recognize it. So you got the libertine pursuing iniquity. you got the Pharisee departing iniquity but not following righteousness. And then the third type of saved person, and this is the most common, our churches are full of this saved person I'm about to illustrate. Okay, watch. Get that? Nothing. No movement in either direction. Just stand still. Supposedly neutral. Just floating through life. Glad to be going to heaven, but really not doing anything in the meantime. It's just a do nothing Christian. Just warming a church pew, maybe cracking the Bible open every now and then, but not sold out to God, not growing in the grace knowledge of Jesus Christ, not reading their Bible, not praying, not witnessing, not serving, not pursuing ministry, not, they're just, you know, saved, going to heaven, not going to hell, but don't really care about anybody else going with them. They're right here. Not making any... They're, they're not pursuing iniquity. They're not departing from it. They're not opposed to righteousness. But they're not striving for it. You know the problem with this person is? The passage says depart from iniquity. The passage says flee, you lusts. This morning, if I came in the room and I saw that chair... I probably wouldn't run away from it because that chair is not very dangerous. Not only is the chair not dangerous, it's stationary. It's not moving. And if you run from stuff that doesn't move, you're a little weird. Well let's say that chair, instead of a chair, it was a spider, and it was that big. And I came in and I saw that, what direction do you think that I would be going? I've been getting away from that thing as fast as I could. Why? Because I'm afraid of it. And because I know it's going to come after me. Right? If you're told to depart something, if you're told to flee something, the idea is that there's danger. And not only is there danger, but it is in pursuit of you. And the reason we are told to depart from iniquity, the reason we're told to leave lust is that because we stand still, and if we don't make any mo- uh, movement away from it, it's getting closer to you. There is no such thing as neutrality in the Christian life. If you're not growing, you're backsliding. If you're not, if you're not departing iniquity, you're getting closer to iniquity. You might not be pursuing it head on, but it's pursuing you. The Bible says in Proverbs thirteen twenty one. Evil pursueth sinners, but of the righteous, good should be repaid. So if you're a do-nothing Christian, you might not be departing iniquity, but you're getting closer to it every day, and eventually it's going to overtake you. And that's the danger it. in it. In, in addition to that, when the Bible says, follow after righteousness, that indicates motion. You don't follow something that's standing still. When you play follow the leader, if the leader just stands like above and along, it's a bummer it's a along, it's a lame game anyway. But it's even worse if the person doesn't do anything. Right? So if you're following something, what you're following is moving, is going somewhere. Righteousness <laughs> is that way. The Bible says we got to press toward the mark. Paul said, I count on myself to have apprehended this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth out of those things that are before. He's reaching and it's always just outside his grasp. He's reaching the entire time and he can never get any closer to it. Or he gets closer, but he can never fully grasp it. And if righteousness is a perpetual motion that I've got to be in perpetual motion after it, if I want to make any progress... So the person who's doing nothing is being overtaken by iniquity and righteousness is getting farther and farther. That, that's most saved people. Is that you? The fourth type of saved person is, is the saved person in the passage. Motion away from iniquity, but motion towards righteousness. Not conform to this world and transformed by the renewing of mind some separation, some godliness, some distinctions, some some standards, some priorities, some things they don't do, but the Christianity is not only defined by what they don't do, it's also defined by what they do. Reading the Bible, praying, going to church, being faithful, being attentive to the Word of God, allowing God's Word to penetrate their hearts, responding to the Word of God and making decisions, making changes in their lives praying that God will help them draw closer witnessing, serving, being involved in ministry giving their time and their efforts to, to the work of the Lord that is departing iniquity and following righteousness and that's why God saved you four types of saved, saved people, you got the libertine closer towards iniquity you got the legalist leaving the iniquity and not getting after righteousness you got the do nothing Christians being overtaken by the iniquity while righteousness drifts farther away then you've got a saved person that's living as God intends. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity and follow righteousness. And, and what I want you to do this morning is I want you to examine your life. I want you to examine your heart. I want you, I want you to ask yourself, am I saved or am I a Christian? Because there is a difference. If you're saved... That means you have trusted Jesus Christ to take away your sins. If you're a Christian, that means you're following him. And trusting him is different than following him. If you're saved, that means you have claimed Jesus Christ as your savior. So you're not going to hell. But if you're a Christian, means you claim him as your Lord. He gets direction in your life. He has dominion in your heart. Your, your obedience and your allegiance and your loyalty lies with him. And that's a difference. God wants everybody to be saved. I hope that you're saved this morning. But you know what we need? We really need more Christians. This world needs more Christians. This town needs more Christians. Our church needs more Christians. This youth group needs more Christians. Departing iniquity, following righteousness. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, the people you hang around spend time with, which direction are they pulling you? Away from Nicotine and towards righteousness? Or maybe the opposite direction? Or maybe just helping you stand, stand on the fence like you think you can? What about, what about, what about the, the, the videos you watch? When you get on YouTube, your content, which direction is it going to take you? Because it's going to take you one direction or the other. It's not neutral. Neutrality is being overtaken. The post you follow, the people you follow, your interaction on social media... If, if we examined it this morning, which direction would you be leaning? Which direction are you going? What about your music, your shows, your movies, your, 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 the things you allow into your heart and mind, your attitude towards preaching, your attentiveness to the Word of God, your time in the Bible, your church attendance? Which direction is it going to take you? Departing from iniquity and following righteousness that ought to be life of everyone that names the name of Jesus Christ. So which are you? Are you libertine? Are you a Pharisee? Are you a do-nothing? Or are you a Christian? We need more Christians. Maybe you'd purpose in your heart this morning. You know, my life's kind of been going in that direction, but I want to repent. I want to turn course. I want to make sure the decisions that I'm making and the way I'm spending my time and, and what I'm allowing in my heart is going to, is going to take me away from iniquity and toward righteousness, and the Lord certainly deserves that, and he'll bless it. Father, thank you this morning for your word, the instruction that it gives us, and uh, God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, love you, trust you, obey you. God, I pray that we'd have a youth group not just full of saved people, uh, but full of Christians so that we can bring honor and glory to your name. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you very much. You're dismissed.